Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple places on the internet. We're live on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook. Maybe you're listening later on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. It's all good. And folks, this is going to be a great show tonight. Uh, But I wanted to kick it off. Pete, uh, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? I'm doing this fucking thing, you asshole. Okay, all right. That's right. Uh, I, you know, happy Valentine's Day to your wife. That's a weird, very (laughs) aggressive thing to say, but I'll definitely let her know. So thank you. Uh, We should probably talk about our shirts. We're both wearing very romantic shirts tonight. I'm wearing uh, my self-made Riverdale shirt with Kavangs. Nice. So that's not available for people to buy. You just made it for yourself. Club.com slash threatless. Okay. I was going to say. I honestly don't know the link, but. You can get it right there. And Pete, you're wearing your uh, Legend of Zelda shirt, which says it's dangerous to go alone, right? That's right. That's right. I always have a squad with you when when possible. Mm. Oh, I was going for like the more romantic sense since it's Valentine's Day. It's dangerous to go alone. You got to couple up. Like it's a made-up holiday. Linked it. Wow. <laughs> Somebody's going real dark this week. Uh, you know who's not going dark? And then we'll bring in our guests is Justin as you may notice, is not here. He is on a Disney World vacation. That's right. He won the Super Bowl, so he went to Disney World. That was amazing. I he that dude is so fast. I don't. I didn't even see him on the field. You know. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But he'll be back next week. I am very excited about the guests that we have here on the show. So why don't we bring in our first one? Yeah. She is one of the members and one of the main members of the creative team of Mythfall, a new book that is coming very soon to Kickstarter. Let's bring her in right here. Cece Afini, hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for talking about this book. I'm very excited. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, cool. Um, so just to clarify for anybody listening or watching right now, this Kickstarter isn't live yet. It's going to be live soon. End of month, we think, is the yes. goal, right? Yeah, we're so close. Okay. <laughs> well, what's that like before we get into the concept of the book? Like these five, We talk to a lot of people who have their Kickstarters up or they're finishing up their campaign. But right now, in this period, in the week or two before it's getting ready, what is that feeling like? Oh boy. (laughs) So I will say we have our pre-launch page up so you can go there and and get notified when we do like the moment that we launch. But the weeks leading up to it is just like everything's coming together all at once. We're hoping that we hit our 
like our launch date and without a hitch um it's a lot of moving pieces uh, but a lot of really exciting stuff too like we we did a test print and we got our test print in so like i could feel the physical nice. book in my hands uh and we did a a test uh we made it we want to do a um a travel poster and we wanted to do it like a metal print so we got test prints of the metal print it's like wow but it's also like you know uh 30 hours of graphic design work <laughs> in a weekend <laughs> so it's like and then yeah so it's a lot um but it's it's all really exciting it's a, exciting a lot it's a good a lot i think yeah, yeah. Well, so reading your book, and I, I would love to hear your pitch from you, but I, I read through the book. I thought it was very fun. I really was into it, really enjoyed the characters, loved the mix of fantasy and sci-fi going on there. But I was not surprised at the end when I read your bio and it was like, you said you were into D&D because I was like, oh, that fits. That definitely <laughs> tracks here. What was it, What inspiration did you take from that into this book? And just, again, why don't you pitch us the book so people know what it is? Sure. Uh, so, like, the real brief overview is that it's a fantasy epic in space, and um, this issue one follows um, a character, Malkin Trasmus, who's a bureaucrat on an alien planet, and he's trying to stop a war from breaking out on that planet, uh, but he has some challenges, like, he's his uh, agency's, like, in danger of getting shut down, and um, he's having, like... It, Issue one is, like, he's having, like, a really bad day. <laughs> and, um, but where the story's going, um, cause in issue one, it contains uh, what I've been casually calling, like, the prologue. So the first five pages take place 5,000 years in the past. It's a full fantasy setting, uh, and it it's this um, devastating cataclysm that took place uh, thousands of years ago in their history. And the ramifications of that are, are still at play, even though we're in this futuristic space age society. Yeah. So not not very ambitious, just like a very small, <laughs> just, life. just a small scale about people. Yeah. Stay in the life. Just yeah. Well, so yeah. when uh, that was one of my big impressions here, and I'm always very curious about this, when you're doing something like this, when you're building this massive world that, like you said, starts 5,000 years earlier, jumps 5,000 years ahead. You have multiple different bits of technology and factions and all of these things going on. Where does that start for you in the planning stage? How do you build that out? Um, so I did actually, <laughs> I did actually start with the characters. Um, and I also started with, I guess, uh, a concept, which is more of a, more of a desire for escapism, I think, than anything else. Um, this is, one of those projects that you kind of like, it's not like a thing that I wrote one time. It's like the thing that I write. <laughs> so I've been, I've been working on it for a long time and it's evolved a lot over the time that I've been working on it. So initially the idea was this sort of like a multiverse world hopping type of thing. And um, I had a couple of characters that I sprinkled into that. And then as I started to get interested in the characters um, I transitioned away from that to a more static sci-fi setting. So instead of multiverse hopping, it's uh, interplanetary stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it initially started out as sort of like one of the worlds you could multiverse hop to. And um, it still has a sort of like a mirror version of Earth type quality to it um, from that original starting point. What was that what? moment like when you realized, oh, I have this whole multiverse planned out. Oh, wait. I just need to do this one universe. Um, 
It was. <laughs> so, like, that transition happened, like, when I was in high school. <laughs> so it was. A lot of transitioning going on. Yeah. Um, but it was more about, like, you're very, I think, sort of unselfconscious at that age about just doing whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're less worried about, I think, what is... Uh, what's expected of you and just more about like, you know, it would be really cool. And then you just kind of like start from there. And so I was like, "Mm, I'm not so interested into this multiverse thing anymore. I just want more of this one thing that I really like. And I, I kind of transitioned. That's kind of what started the transition. Yeah. One, one of the things I really like about uh, the way this kind of starts is the time we spend with the characters, it's great because we're getting inside their head, really kind of understanding their perspective on their life. And we spend, like, good chunks with the characters. It's nice. It's nice to kind of get different points of views from a comic. Usually it's, like, one person's point of view and then a lot of action surrounding that person. And I really appreciated the fact that we were getting in the characters' heads, like, really kind of getting their point of view. It was nice. Even though there's all this other stuff going on, it was still uh, those kind of really cool moments. I was very impressed with your writing. That was actually the suggestion of my editor, uh, Barbara Perez Marquez. So I w- had initially uh, envisioned this as sort of like a prose uh, novel. And then when I had the opportunity to try it out as a comic book, I really enjoyed the process of script writing and the process of making things visual. But I wasn't very experienced. And it's um, a funny thing is that there's in writing classes, they tell you, you know, these aren't rules. These are guidelines. Um, but then in, in comics writing, there's often not even guidelines. It's just like, (laughs) it's very open and it's hard to understand what you should do. And so, uh, one of the things that my editor, um, pointed out in my script is like, you should add narration here. Um, it would, and I really liked that because one of the things you kind of lose in the transition is, um, having that inner, um, voice of the character is like one of the biggest features it's the most prominent in prose that inner voice and um finding a way to kind of retain that so you still feel connected strongly to those characters um in the comic medium was um, really great feedback and it's something that i uh was happy to take to heart can you talk about putting together the team on this was that your editor who put it together did you be like okay pull up the a-team van and put everybody in it or how did that work no that was me so um we're the publisher on this is ADM Comics, which is uh, us. It's me and my three friends. It's me and my husband and my two friends. And um, actually, yeah, I already told him I was going to be spending Valentine's Day with like a bunch of other dudes on the internet, so I should probably also not uh, bump him down to friend status. <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, my husband and my two friends. And um, so um, it started with... Um, my friend's property incident report that they wanted to produce as a comic and when they were putting together the publishing um, company to, to, to make that under uh, my husband said you know I think this could be a really good opportunity for Mythfall and that you should try it out and so um, that's how it started as a comic and then from there I, I started looking for um, an artist uh, or a team of artists, really, and and other creators to work with. So, um, the first person, I think, yeah, Allie was first. Allie Presswick is my illustrator. She's like unreally fantastic. Like <laughs> every day, like I work with her, I'm like, 
how did I get so lucky? <laughs> I sent her like, you know, like some notes and then she just sends me something back and I'm like, wow. <laughs> so that's been like a really fantastic experience. And um, Allie helped me pick out the other um, sort of visual um, contributors to the, the comics. So she, she helped me pick a colorist, actually. It's the most straightforward thing to say. And so Allie had been a fan of um, Aaron's work for a while, and Aaron had a style that she um, really liked, and so Allie recommended Aaron to me. And then uh, we reached out to her just, like, on a lark. We were like, well, she likes Aaron, so we want to find somebody like Aaron, but let's just message Aaron and see what happens. And then she was in, and that was really exciting. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Haley Rose Lyons, our letterer, and we worked with them on um on um incident reports so that's why we had uh uh that's why we had um access to Haley and uh and yeah so and then I I uh reached out to Barbara uh, because I knew that I was gonna need an editor yeah because I was like I don't know enough about what I'm doing to (laughs) think I can do this I mean that's uh, super awesome Mm -hmm. that not only do you get to do this idea that's been sitting in your head for so long now but you're doing it with people that you really like and you really like working with what a wonderful experience that's so cool uh in terms of the Kickstarter I know you touched on this a little bit but when it does launch presumably people are going to get the issue what else can they potentially expect to get out of it um, so we have, um, the issue itself, and then we have a couple of different variant covers. Um, uh, the, the standard cover is, uh, illustrated and colored by Allie. And then, um, Aaron has their own cover that they basically illustrated and colored. So there's an Allie cover and there's an Aaron cover. And then, uh, we have two additional variant covers, one from, uh, Desiree Gwyden, who is a, um, a graphic designer, um, and she has a really cool kind of like, um, it's hard, hard to describe her art style because I'm a, a writer, <laughs> so I, but it's very, um, I feel like if I say impression, I don't really know enough about impressionism to say like impressionistic, but it's sort of, um, it's lineless and it's um, got like, it's very like bright colors and um, um <laughs> it's fine. I, I We're think so. Go with that. I think yeah. so. Yeah. It's mostly an audio <laughs> podcast, so people yeah. have to go with you. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Kaylin uh, rounds out our um, variant covers, and um, Kaylin Smith, um, she was the artist on Loot, and um, a couple of other titles that are escaping me now. But I found her on Loot, uh, which was uh, kickstarted as well, and um, cool. she is. Yeah, she's a. quite a few indie titles and I think she writes and um, draws her own um, comics as well so um, yeah and then uh, the other thing that we have is um, the graphic designer that I worked with is Lori Tan and I asked her to make basically a travel poster for each of the planets and so this is oh my god that's great yeah so we have rule of the republic Yes. Uh, for anybody listening, it's like a very retro, uh, neo-futurist travel poster. Very yeah. Cool. Uh, w, I think WPA style poster, like for national parks or NASA released a few years back, uh, WPA style posters for like the different planets in the solar system. So we did that, uh, but for the planets in Mythfall. Um, cool. Yeah. So those will be postcards. You can get them as like literal postcards or um, as a metal print. So... <laughs> 
Oh, I love that. Nice. Uh, Cece, this is so cool. This project is great. The yeah, congratulations. Is like we're talking about, there's so much ambition here, and it's all on the page. Very excited, and fingers crossed for you when it eventually launches. Yeah. Um, we'll let you go so you can actually have a Valentine's Day with your husband. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. I thank you for having me. All right. Take have care. a good night. Good night. All right, there we go. Once again, the project is called Mythfall. As yeah. we mentioned, it should be launching later this month on Kickstarter. Uh, very great, very fun comic book. It's it's epic in all the right ways, uh, and, and you can and the passion jumps throughout through the page. So uh, uh, hopefully, it it blows up as it should. Yeah, uh, not to call you out here before we bring in the next guest, but I do want to mention Pete. Usually, Justin shows up like at the last second, right before we tape, right? Mm -hmm. And he's always talking about getting inside of the characters' heads. So far in the show, you got here a minute before recording, and then you were talking in our first interview about how interesting it was to get in the characters' heads. Are you Justin? Wouldn't that be a fun Valentine's Day surprise? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm just I'm just doing an adjusted impression. You know what I mean? It's just oh, a okay. uh, it's a light light touch. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Talk about your dog. Talk about Pip. I guess. Uh, you know, don't slip. Uh, I wish, <laughs> um, man. Justin doesn't put Pip on the podcast enough. It's upsetting, really. Yeah. Uh, oh, wish... Michael Tillman has a good uh, suggestion. Could you say some line producer things? Oh yeah, uh, tuck in that jib. Uh, write me some better dialogue. <laughs> yep. Uh, man, the no, Mountain Dew. Oh, man, you could wander on the next Spielberg set right now. Tell you what, why don't we bring in our next guest here? He is uh, the creator of the upcoming comic book, Prometheus and Chains. Excuse me. This allows a bunch of riffs on Dracula that I'm excited to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Davis. Hello. Hey, welcome. Hi. Oh, we got to unmute the user. There we go. Here, we got it. We got it. Yeah. My bad. Sorry. Hey, welcome. Great <laughs> no, to have no you. No problem. It seems like you came in me. with a hot quip. or was it I did. I, it was the most brilliant joke that <laughs> I've ever told in my life, oh, and man. nobody heard it. Oh, man. man. So bad. Yep. Uh, before Sorry, we get guys. in, it's all right. Before we get in and talk <laughs> about the book, uh, Pete, if this is actually Pete and not Justin, is always on our back wall beat, and I'm sure mm -hmm. he's going to want to get to the Thor cover that's behind you. Pete, do you have any questions about this? Yeah, yeah. It's a glorious uh, cover. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, why you love it so much. You know, I've always uh, always liked Thor. Um, mm -hmm. Even, you know, uh, both the, the Viking myth of Thor and the Marvel um, uh, adaptation of the character. Uh, he's just fascinating. I've always enjoyed the, the comic and uh, Jason Aaron's run. Oh, yeah. um, the God Butcher, uh, it really put me in a mindset that I liked Thor a lot more. And mm -hmm. so that's why mm -hmm. I chose this one to be the centerpiece of my wall. Like this, this room here is where I put all my nerdy stuff. So I've got, you know, all the walls are full with these uh, giant 36, uh, 36 by 48 um, canvas uh, covers. So Thor goes right in the middle. That's glorious. Now, now I wish I could see them all. But man, uh, what a cool uh, art display that you have! And yeah, I dig but, it, man. I I put the things up on my wall that I like to look at, and um, you know, but I, I keep it contained to my uh, to this area of my house. I don't let it like spread everywhere. You know? Okay. Yeah. But yeah. But this these walls are full. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Well, why don't we talk about Prometheus in Chains a little bit, not to pivot off of your back walls or anything like that, but this book is coming out right at the beginning of June from Red 5, so still a while away, but part Mm -hmm. of the reason for having you on is there's the whole final order cutoff thing, things are solicited. Um, We'll talk about all of that in a second, but I do want to talk about specifically the book first, because obviously we don't know a ton about it we do know though that you've written two books about dracula and i believe a third on the way yep. if i remember correctly rise of actually dracula. there's four now Ooh. oh there we go <laughs> yeah um so why <laughs> this is i love hosting a comic book show why pivot from dracula to frankenstein you know it just it makes sense. i'm an adult <laughs> yeah it, it makes sense um you know to pull those victorian characters together um and i introduced um victor in rise of dracula issue three uh and he was initially just going to be a fun little easter egg character you know you see him he plays a role and that's it you know we never see him again but as i was um writing it i i discovered i really enjoyed uh his voice in my head um you know my characters talk to me all the time and i really liked talking to victor so i started thinking um you know how can I uh, how can I bring these two characters these these two worlds together essentially um, and so we uh, you know ended up creating a shared horror universe um, you know we have we have Dracula um, from Cult of Dracula and Rise of Dracula now we have Victor Frankenstein and Elizabeth Frankenstein uh, she's a very important character um, and I've got another book on the way um, called Dorian. Um, and it's an adaptation of the picture of Dorian Gray. Um, I have a little bit of an obsession with the Victorian horror era. Um, in my opinion, that's the greatest era of horror ever, followed very closely by the 70s and 80s uh, slasher cowboys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, th- those are the best times for horror ever. Um, you know, so um, it just it made a lot of sense to me to bring Frankenstein and Dracula together Um you know they just they just work and then of course you know i watched penny dreadful and loved how they did it and i was oh like, my god that show like is that. so good and so underrated i love it i, love it. I, I mean mm-hmm. what, not to oh go ahead pete you i was just gonna say you said something that was very fascinating to me and i'd, I'd love to back up the truck truck and talk about it a little bit did you say your characters talk to you like oh, yeah. you talk Absolutely. to dracula like when you're shopping dracula's like hey easy on the soup or is it more the soup or is it just or is it more I don't know. Easy on the soup. Why he talks to him? I want to know what they talk about. Or is it kind of like Dracula's like, hey, this just became about you. Who's telling you to be easy on the soup? (laughs) Are you going into supermarkets and some guys like that's too much soup? Easy on that's too much soup. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. no. Like when I start out, um, you know, there's there's basically two different types of writers, um, and you'll hear different terms, but they mean basically the same thing. There are architects and there's gardeners, Um, Hmm. and I'm a gardener, um, so I begin with. Uh, with an idea like for for Prometheus and Chains um, it was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein um, in the post-World War II atomic age with Uh Victor and Elizabeth um, they're both uh, two of the Jewish scientists that fled Germany um, as Hitler was rising Um, they came to the U.S. and they worked on the Manhattan Project um, and helped create the bomb which you know helped bring down uh, the Reich Um, so that's where I begin you know just with that little little itty bitty paragraph and then as i go uh the characters tell me where they want to go 
Um, oh. You know, so as I'm writing, um, the big I think the a prime example of that would be in Rise of Dracula, um, which is my last book. Um, Ellie um, is she's everybody's favorite character from that series because she's just batshit insane. Um, I like to describe her as if the Joker and crazy Harley Quinn um, had uh, did bath salts and made a meth addicted schizophrenic baby. Um, that would be Ellie. Um, wow. And, <laughs> and she was um, she was a character again. <clears throat> she's going to be a throwaway character. Just going to introduce her, have a few jokes. She was going to be the, the grave diggers, essentially. And she just kept saying, hey, I've got more. I can do more. I can do more. I can do more. And I was like, OK, let's do this, you know, and just started writing. Um, and, you know, I, I hear her voice in my head, um, not in a crazy, well, it's probably crazy. I mean, writers, <laughs> we're all, we're all a little bit nuts, you know, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my writing process. I, I just begin with an idea and then let the characters, uh, walk me along. Uh-huh. Well, let me ask you this then, uh, at a certain point, the characters need to stop writing and you need to start editing and honing it down. When does that yeah. begin for you? Um, way too late. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's really hard um and that's one of the one of the the pitfalls of being a gardener you know sometimes you you have to get to a point in the story you have to hit certain beats and the character's like "Eh, maybe let's let's go over here and check this out it's like if you're playing the witcher and you do all the side quests and you then remember holy shit there's a main story i'm supposed to be following here (laughs) um so yeah that that's that's difficult but um I, I put it off till the very last minute, um, and then I go back and cut things. Um, and I've had a lot of scenes uh, that I've cut and then brought them back at later times mm. in the book. Um, you know, but yeah, it, it, it happens a little bit toward the end uh, when I'm writing. Uh, you know, that's when I'm like, all right, guys, I got to finish this. We'll, we'll Maybe we'll do another book. That's how we ended up now with four uh, Dracula books coming. So. <laughs> like, there's just more story to tell. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you're touching on this as well, but... So much has been said about these characters, about the Dracula characters, about Frankenstein characters, etc. You called out Penny Dreadful, which did a fantastic job of mashing them all together in new ways. And that's just the tip of the mountain there. So when you are tackling these, how do you find something fresh to say? How do you find something new? That is probably the most difficult part of doing this. Because when you're writing characters like Victor Frankenstein or Dracula or Dorian Gray, you you have this immediate name recognition and fan bases, um, you know, so you immediately have a following. But then you realize, oh shit, I have a following for these characters. So you feel obligated to, you know, be true to what the readers expect. But then you also have to find a way to give it to them in a different way. And so when I started writing um, Dracula, uh, Cult of Dracula, the one thing I said to myself is I do not want to tell another story set in Victorian London about a creepy white guy in a tuxedo with a widow's peak coming in and buying up all the land. There is nothing I can do to that story. It has been told a million times. It's been told very well. There's nothing I could add to it. So, you know, I decided to modernize it and make a lot of changes, Um, keeping all of Stoker's themes and his intentions. Like I went back, I read letters that he wrote, journals, what other people said about him, um, you know, because I wanted to know not only what he was saying, but why he was saying it. 
Um, I, you know, and research for my books is very, very important to me. Um, so I kept all of Stoker's themes and in Prometheus and Chains, I keep all of Shelley's themes. Um, and, but I take the characters and I, I mix them up. Um, so like with Victor and Elizabeth now, instead of being in Victorian London, uh, they're in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and they're building an atomic bomb. Um, that's not so far away from Victor creating a monster. Um, you know, the bomb becomes a metaphor for the creature. And then later in the book, we actually do get a creature, um, you know, because you have to give the fans that. You have to, yeah. But yeah. it's the the legacy that comes along with the characters. It's a blessing and a burden all at the same time. Uh, this is obviously very specific to my interest, not to put you on the spot about this part, because I haven't read the book yet. But why Jewish characters? I'm Jewish. I was yeah. certainly my interest was piqued by that particular detail. You know, it's um, it's a story that a lot of people aren't aware of how many Jews fled Nazi Germany and worked with the allies in very important roles. And there were many uh, Jewish scientists that worked on that Manhattan project. So, um, you know, I wanted to uh, represent that culture, um, you know, and tell that story so that maybe people start looking at, um, at the history and saying, wow, there were some really awesome Jewish heroes who, who helped save the day and helped, you know, bring down these concentration camps. So, you know, I didn't want to present the Jewish uh, characters as victims in this. I wanted, to, wanted them to be agency. And, um, you know, there's also, uh, I thought there was a really interesting theme um, with Victor struggling with his, his heritage, his background, and the situation that he's in now. Um, you know, I, I will say I am not Jewish. Um, I have done a lot of research um, into the Jewish culture um, and, uh, and spoken with many of my Jewish friends in depth about this, because I do want to make sure that the culture is represented well. Just like in Cult of Dracula, I wanted to make sure I was representing pagan culture and uh, Wicca and uh, the Celtic culture um, very accurately. I didn't want to make it a caricature, and I didn't want to um, you know, just present it the same flat, uninteresting way um and that could be disrespectful to those people so you know it's, it's very important and you know i think i like telling stories from different perspectives and i like putting myself in those perspectives as i'm writing as i go through it um so yeah i thought it was a really interesting story to tell that needed to be told to kind of you know to, to recognize these these the efforts of these people um who really really helped win world war ii uh, well, I'll definitely fact check you when you come out. I'm sure you'll appreciate Please. that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in terms of the book, though, the these ideas are all big and very responsible and great. But I assume there's also some horror, right? So oh, God, you were yes. talking about the type of horrors you like earlier. Mm -hmm. How does that feed into this upcoming book? Um, you know, very influenced by um, uh, by the grindhouse uh era of, the, of those I feel like the you know the the Peter Cushing that type of Dracula uh, Christopher Lee um, that's what I grew up watching like I would sneak and my parents knew I thought I was all sneaky but I would wake <laughs> up and um, there was this uh, there was this program uh, out of Nashville Tennessee um, it was kind of like the Elvira thing you know but it was a knockoff and they would show those old you know hammer films and sometimes trauma films and so that was really my first impression um, on uh, on horror. 
Um, and so that's definitely had a huge influence on the way that um, that I present the stories. Um, you know, I believe uh, believe Stephen King said, uh, you know, if you um, if you want to write effective horror, write about what scares you. Um, and so that's what I've uh, that's what I've done with uh, with the books as best I can. What about modern horror? This is obviously off the book. I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. Are there any modern horror movies or horror shows or anything like that you're digging other than Penny Dreadful? Absolutely. Um, You know, I really enjoy American Horror Story. Um, I enjoy anything by Ty West. So X Mm -hmm. and uh, Pearl, uh, fantastic films. Uh, I had the the opportunity to meet Ty West when he was, um, he just did House of the Devil. Um, he was actually on the uh, the independent uh, um, um, film circuit, you know, the festivals. And so I got to meet Ty West, and he's just – so I love anything he does. Um, I, it, pretty much anything horror and anything not mainstream horror. Like I just watched a, a movie called Blood Red Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's about it, – it's a vampire movie that takes place entirely on a plane. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, you know, Train to Busan was another one. Um, I actually, I love Train to Busan because it's, there's a scene in World War Z, probably the only scene I liked in that movie, but they're on the airplane mm-hmm. and there's a zombie. Oh yeah. They're fucked. Okay. There's no way you're getting out of this. And I felt watching that, I felt claustrophobia. I felt genuine terror. And I, and then when you go to Train to Busan, that's that scene for two hours. And it's insanely cool. And I, I don't think I've ever watched a film that made me more tense going through it. Mm. And I, I hope that I can write something that brilliant one day. Um, oh, and Attack on Titan. Um, I consider that mm. horror, and I am super into that right now. So I just discovered Crunchyroll. Um, and <laughs> nice. uh, I'm kind of addicted. I, I may or may not have gone through three seasons of attack on Titan in a weekend, but, um, nice. <laughs> you know, 75 episodes, I think that is. So yeah, well, that's my, that's I, my horror. <laughs> I mean, I know you're saying that you love Victorian horror and you feel like mm-hmm. that's a perfect era, but you've also called out several zombie things in a row. Mm-hmm. Is that a world that you would want to play in for a future comic book potentially? So I kind of hate zombies, but yeah, I'm working on a zombie book. So. <laughs> um, yes. And one of the, uh, one thing that I like to do is I, I kind of, I ripped this off from Pixar, um, but I, I like to foreshadow my next book in the current book that I'm writing. So you met Victor Frankenstein in uh, Rise of Dracula number three. Um, you're going to see um, some aspects of Dorian Gray in Dorian. Um, you're also going to see zombies in the Frankenstein book, Prometheus and Chains, um, because that's essentially what, what Victor's doing. He just doesn't realize it. Um, you know, he's creating, a, he, he's developing a way to, uh, to create zombies, essentially, and um, that may or may not be uh, manipulated and exploited by uh, the, the, for lack of a better term, the, the deep state, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, um, so yeah, it's... Uh, I do, I like some zombie movies, but some of them, they get a little repetitive mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's the same story told a million different times. Um, I mean, you're, you're just essentially uh, trying to, trying to get to day of the dead or dawn of the dead, excuse me. Um, and 
you know, once you've seen Dawn of the Dead, you've seen every zombie movie you ever need to watch. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's talk a little business here. So the book isn't coming out for a couple of months, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm sure most of our listeners generally have a, a sense of how the comic book industry works. But if you are interested in the book, what do people need to do at this point? The best thing you can do, the most important thing you can do, and I urge everybody out there to do this, go to your local comic book shop, ask them to order Prometheus and Chains. It's that simple. Um, Please support your local comic book shops first. Uh, They are the backbone of this industry. Uh, If they didn't exist, everything would be run by two massive corporations and every book would feature Bat Dude and Spider Guy. And that would be it. Um, That's all you would get because that sells. And um, so your local comic book shop, they have their finger on the pulse of the industry. They know when these these cool new independent books these things you haven't heard of from emerging creators um so order it ask your local comic book shop to order it first and if you absolutely have to then you can search for it on amazon Uh, but the reason we're out really promoting this book so early um we we have very high hopes for it um you know our initial research is showing that it's uh it's going to do well um and coming off of cult of dracula being a top uh, a top 100 best-selling comic of 2021 rise of dracula did very very well we've got the cult of dracula film uh in development with br films right now so we're we're riding this wave um into prometheus and um you know we want people to uh to go to their local comic book shop early and ask them put it on their radar um you know red five comics is a is a small company um, you know, I'm a relatively new writer. I'm very fortunate that I've had a lot of success. Um, but you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not well known like uh, Todd McFarlane or something like that. Um, so promoting it early is important. And then also the way the industry works. Um, so the book comes out in June, it'll be solicited in diamonds previews in April. So two months before it ships. So we need, you know, by by the time we get to April, it's too late to make people aware of it because the process has already started. Stores have already decided what they're going to order and you're you either got it or you didn't. But if we start talking about it in January, which, again, is what we did with Cult of Dracula, we were out beating the streets. Uh, I am a. I'm a dogged uh, promoter of my books. I would have been very happy working for P.T. Barnum. Um, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's important uh, from a business angle to promote your work early uh, because that gives time for audiences to to get into it and then to bring it to the local comic book shops and the local comic book shops order it and then you get to sell more books. So, um, yeah, it's very important to be out there early in the process if you want to be successful. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, cool. Richard, it sounds like, fingers crossed, I think it's going to do very well. It sounds like a very thank cool, you. really interesting book. I'm very excited to check it out. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Lovely yeah, chatting really with you. And thanks for coming it. on Valentine's Take care Day. Yourself. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Great All, time. Right. All right. There we go. Once again, the book is called Prometheus and Chains. It's going to be out this June from Red 5. And as the man said, definitely go to your local comic book shop. Let them know you want to get it so that they can order the proper amount. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And folks, it is time for our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. 
And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question in Q&A over on Crowdcast or in the comments or on YouTube and Facebook, and we'll get to them. But in the meantime, we've got to talk about drinks, Pete. We've got to talk about what we're drinking. Um, why don't you go first real quick? Because I got to bring Yeah, because you got a, you know, a fancy got thing. A you got a, yeah, got you got a whole thing. I'm still polishing off uh, some beers here. I got the last one of the Oktoberfest. Um, so, yeah. Ooh, that's going to go bad really soon. Beer goes bad. So that's Oktoberfest. It came out in October and it's February now. So I don't know. Still good, man. Still good. Still good. Uh, Well, this drink that I'm drinking tonight is very good. Uh, I know it has a TWD on it, but that's not what it's about at all. Yeah, it seems like you're just a, a walking advertisement for the Walking Dead. All the time, baby. Anyway, this is another drink that's been created by our amazing CBC chef, Brett Macris, a.k.a. Straight Bullies. You talking Bullet. about the birthday boy, Stray Bullies? It was his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday to him. And on Happy his belated. birthday, he designed and made a drink uh, for us and all of us, which is kind of incredible. Uh, this is also a drink that I, I want to, full disclosure, I strong-harmed him into making. I was like, hey, why don't you this week... Wait, you forced him on his birthday to do something? Not on his birthday. I asked him earlier, and then on his birthday, I was like, where's the fucking drink, Brett? No, wow. I wasn't like that. He just did it. But it's. Uh, I was like, hey, why don't we make a drink about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Because that's coming out this week. And he was like, don't mind if I do. And of course, came up with something absolutely delicious. I'm going to bring up the recipe here. But the drink is called the Quantumaniac. There you Ooh. go. Uh, and uh, just to read it off for anybody listening in the podcast, it is crushed, crushed smoked salt around the rim, which looks like little ants crawling around your glass there the most appetizing thing one can imagine uh it's got sugar cubes something that attracts ants then it's got a juice of a lime orange bitters spicy bitters tequila campari ginger liqueur a little club soda and an orange peel expressed over it it is so good so delicious uh and uh, just based on earlier views way better than the movie itself so there you go oh uh, come on man you haven't you. even seen it yet oh my god oh dude marvel. bro shots fired take it easy oh, with that marvel is marvel okay are they gonna be okay because some guy on a podcast said they didn't get good reviews oh no oh my god you haven't even seen the movie yet you're already trashing you piece of shit oh where marvel where where oh my god you're an asshole man Sure am, but this drink is Sounds delicious. from my mouth hole instead of, I don't know. Yeah, what's it like eating all those ants? <laughs> I don't know, man. Ease off the soup. That's all I got to say. Yeah, nice, dude. Well, it sounds absolutely delicious, and I'm glad you have all the weird ingredients to go into that thing, and uh, congratulations on being fancy. Well, I'll tell you what. And this is apropos of absolutely nothing, but I was going to send you ingredients for a drink once, and Drizzly, the drink yeah. ordering place that we all use that currently sponsors the podcast, um, they don't deliver to your address. Where are you living? Yeah, dude. <laughs> are you in the woods? What's going on? I'm outside of Baltimore, but I guess too far outside. I guess so, man. All right, why don't we get some questions here? We've been delaying long enough. We got a couple of them over here on Crowdcast. I want to start off with this one from Michael Tillman. Pete. Did your heart get lassoed today? 
Dude, I've been bawling my eyes out watching that goddamn uh, teaser trailer over and over again. Just you, I, I mean, I should have known that was going to happen. But I mean, how many times some, have you seen it? How many times have you cried I today? Know, one, I, I watched it once. The news here is that Ted Lasso is coming back on March fifteenth, which is March Wednesday. 15th. Yes, look at how close now. that is, man! Oh my god, twelve episodes, one a week. Apple TV Plus's first Wednesday show. Uh, it is. They released a short one-minute teaser showing off all the characters making believe signs, and it was, it was absolutely fucking beautiful. It was it was magical. It was everything that I needed. It was like a it was like a warm, cozy hoodie on a cold Valentine's Day. It was uh, it was nice, man. It was uh, perfectly well timed, and I bawled my fucking eyes out. And I'm starting to rewatch everything to get ready because I got a month. Oh my gosh, you really have to remember what went on. It's very difficult to remember. I do have a question for you off of this, which isn't related necessarily to this question from Michael Tillman, but... Shots to Michael Tillman. Shots fired. This is coming out... Shots fired. No, it was a shout out. Oh, shout out, not shots fired. I don't honestly know the difference. Don't try to start beef between me and the Tillman. Uh, start beef. Mm, let's cook up the beef. That's a good thing. Oh yum, my yum. God. It's Get it to the thing. Okay. So this is coming out on Wednesday. First Wednesday show for Apple TV Plus. Wednesday, March 15th. Wednesday, March 1st is when The Mandalorian starts coming out on Disney Plus. Oh my God. So Wednesday mornings, let, let's forget about the premiere because I understand like March 15th, you're probably going to want to watch the premiere of Ted Lasso. That makes yeah. sense. But the next week, you're going to have a new episode of Ted Lasso and you're going to have a new episode of The Mandalorian. Which one are you watching first, Pete? Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, it's it's lasso all the way. But man, that's a tough. Really, it's a fun. It's a fun morning. That's for sure. I mean, uh, you know, you're gonna be Wednesday rich. That's uh, that's gonna be glorious. Uh, I love that classic phrase: Wednesday rich, yeah, Thursday poor. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's gonna work. I'll be. Uh, not much work will be getting done on Wednesdays in March. That's I should tell, tell my boss ahead of time. This is nothing against Ted Lasso, but I think I will watch Mandalorian first, probably, of the two of them. I don't care. <laughs> I feel like I need to explain the basic concept of podcasts to you, but all right, we'll <laughs> move on. We got a bunch of the different stuff hatering. going on. We got a lot of discussion, actually, on YouTube about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. All the game says, not a lot of thrill for the Ant-Man crew this Valentine's Day with the new movie getting a little bit of kicking from critics. Uh, but following up on that, Frederica Rosa says, how are your expectations for Quantumania this week? Some mixed reactions online. I don't know how much you've been paying attention to that, Pete, but any thoughts? Well, here's the thing. I don't, you know... Uh, critics of me don't usually agree on things, but um, I I think Ant Man and the Wasp the the last one was really great, and I felt like it found a really good groove for itself, and I'm a little disappointed because I thought that we would be carrying that momentum into the next one, but it just seems like we're tackling a lot in this next one, um. But um, Kang the Conqueror uh, uh, is a very interesting character. Um, so it'll be interesting to spend some more time with this uh, villain in the MCU. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a little worried we're going to be getting away from the formula, the thing that brought all the popularity to the mm-hmm. Ant-Man. But 
Uh, I'm also hoping that Marvel knows what it's doing and won't ruin a good thing. So we'll see. Uh, but uh, I'm definitely going to go see it. I don't care what some fucking critic says. <laughs> wow. Take it to the critics, Pete. Take it to the critics. I'm talking. I'm looking right at you when I say looking that. Looking right at me. I'm seeing it Saturday, same as everybody else. I haven't seen it earlier or anything. But I'm definitely going to be a jerk to you when we take a podcast about it. I agree with you that it's really impossible to talk about something that we haven't seen. But it's certainly uh, a lot of the discussion online today has been about, and it's a perennial discussion with Marvel about Ted Lasso, but as a secondary discussion about, uh, I guess, like the episodic quality of Marvel movies. And some people arguing, like we've discussed a lot in our Patreon Slack, of like, well, no, this is really Marvel chapter 31 or 35 or whatever you want to count it. So just watch it like that. Like it's the 35th episode and just roll with it and stop complaining about it. And my personal feeling is I like it best and I like the MCU movies best when, yes, there are those like deep cut things you can pick up on if you're a hardcore fan and you know the stuff offhand. It doesn't even need to be Easter eggs. I'm talking about like callbacks and riffs and whatever things that build on other things. But when you do need to actually do the homework, when you do actually need to be like, I need to have watched 15 movies in order to understand this one movie, that doesn't work for me. And that feels antithetical to what built the MCU and what made at the very least the first two phases work really well was they really tried hard for the most part to make it so that anybody could come off the street and see a Marvel movie and be like, well, I didn't get why that guy was there, but I still had a good time anyway. And what I'm getting from the reviews from Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is it's not that. You have to have seen 30 movies. You have to have watched Loki. You need to understand all these Disney plushes. Otherwise, you're just not going to get it. And beyond that, it's setting up all these other movies. And to me, that's not a movie. That's not even an episode of a TV show, because ideally an episode of a TV show should still have a arc to it. But again, we'll see. You and I have not seen it, so it's hard to comment Yeah, that's true. That's tough. Uh, there we go. Uh, well, let's go to another question here. This is from Kevin. Who are some of your favorite over-the-top guano insane characters in comics who aren't Joker or Harley? Guano insane. Guano That's... insane. That's a medical term. Hmm. I, hmm. I thought it was an Ace Ventura when nature calls reference. Mm. It's probably lying in a big pile of what? All right. Oh, nice. Um, I get it. Yeah. Insane characters in comics, I think, uh, what is his name? Madcap? Is that it? The guy with the hammer in Marvel? He was in the Avengers Initiative for a while as well. Okay. He's like a messed up version of Deadpool who's a cartoon. I mean, here's the thing. When you say like insane, I mean, there's different types. There's like Moon Knight has been many different phases of crazy, right? Phases, yeah. Yeah, there has been, you know, certain characters have been kind of pushed to the brink in different ways. But yeah, like a a Joker or a Harley, there's a a different kind of uh, out of your gourd. Uh, um, Kevin, sorry, real quick. Kevin says you mean slapstick. I do mean slapstick. Go ahead. Okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean uh, slapstick's a different kind of uh, different kind of thing. But I, no, no, I, that's the name of the character that I was trying to remember. Oh, okay. I was like, all right. Well, now we're talking about like slapstick comedy and stuff. Yeah. But that's also a little bit crazy when you're slapping people. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. There's yeah, three that... stooges. Something's wrong oh, with them. My God. Something it's is some wrong of the with best. Guys. You know, comedy, all I'm saying is somebody should put those stuff. guys away and like uh, 
put them through some serious therapy because they keep hitting each other. Yeah. They're not good brothers. Or they're great brothers. I mean, it's hard to tell with brothers. It's it's one of those things. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know, man. Um I'm going to say Moon Knight. What are you saying? Uh, cool. I already said slapstick, but I will also say this is not a character, but the first one that came to mind is Jinx from Arcane, the League of Legends show on Netflix, who is basically like, and I mean this positively, uh, Harley Quinn, but not funny. Like, she's just, mm-hmm. I'm going to kill all of you guys. Isn't that great? And then goes and kills everybody and mm-hmm. is nuts. There's a really great, I'm forgetting the name of the voice actress. I think it's slapstick who does her. Um, but she, she's very. Stop good. talking about slapstick. I guess I is my never, point. Never. Uh, also, Deadpool is an obvious answer. Mm. And Gwenpool as well was called out in the comments. By Ben the Border Collie. There you go. Uh, we got another one over here on YouTube. Uh, let's see. Ooh, Nelson tube. Martinez says, "What are some of your favorite Super Bowl commercials slash trailers?" Pete, did you watch the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I definitely did. Um, unfortunately, I watched it with uh, an Eagles uh, family, and uh, it was effing heartbreaking. There's nothing like a party that's going and then like gets super sad at the end. Do you know oh, what I mean? Man. Like, oh, man, that's a good Every time. Every party I've ever been at, man. I, yeah. That... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, what was the question? Great. Uh, Super Bowl t- commercials and trailers. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got There's a lot of great uh, Super Bowl commercials. Um, you know, the Mean Joe Green one was one of the first and the most legendary. Um, Is that this year? The Mean Joe Green? No, that was back in like the 80s. Okay. They're one. talking about this year. From oh, this, this year. year from this, this Super year. Bowl, oh, favorite man. commercials or trailers? Um, <laughs> these trailers were good. Uh, I could not, I just sat there with my mouth open, uh, just being like, what on the flash trailer? I mean, that melted my mind. I couldn't believe that they were advertising it. Cause I was like, I didn't think this thing was getting made because of, uh, you know, flash being an unbelievable dickhead, but I, I couldn't believe <laughs> what I was seeing. And then, uh, you know, the reveal at the end, I don't know if we should spoil it. Or, I mean, the internet no, it's a trailer it. that's out there. That's fine. We can talk but about it. I was just, I couldn't believe it was happening. It was, uh, but then I was, I went from being like, Oh my God, excited to like, Oh no. Why is he a part of something? That's the flash. And that blows. Mm-hmm. It is all very confusing feelings there. I agree from a comic book, superhero movie fan perspective. It does look like a ridiculous amount of fun. And it does look like, taking a lot of elements that I hate and making them work somehow, <laughs> which is real weird. It's a That's weird feel. Emotionally weird place to be with it. Really don't like the Snyderverse. I really don't like Ezra Miller. I really don't like Flashpoint as a story. Yeah, hey, This looks fun. What's happening here? <laughs> yeah, we're lining up things that I hate, and all of a sudden yeah. it looks interesting? What? Yeah, I also don't really love legacy sequels. Like, in essence, the idea of, like, just let Batman and Batman Returns be. That's fine. We don't need to bring Michael Keaton back. He's done some awesome stuff in between. How but same you. sort of thing. I don't know. Looks fun. Yeah. Looks fun. There you it, go. I mean, the uh, fact that he did is like, I'm Batman. I just. Yeah. Oh, Ben the Motor Collie, I do want to call something out here. It says the specific Zod is stupid, but yay, Zod. No, Michael Shannon rules as Zod. I'm sorry. Yeah. The I, I've mentioned this a million times, but the 
third trailer for Man of Steel, which is the one, one of the best things I've ever seen in my life, and I've watched it a million times. I watched the movie, by the way, once, and I don't think I'll ever watch it again. But the trailer is so good. That's the one where he goes, I will find him, which is also in the movie. But God, I love that so much. I love every acting choice Michael Shannon makes across the board. I could not be happier to see him plays on just because it means more in Michael Shannon insanity. That's great. Okay. I'm into it. There you go. So uh, other other trailers and commercials, people, You should have just said Michael Shannon. That's true. Do you remember the rumor where he talked about where he's coming back for Batman v Superman and he gave a bunch of interviews where he was like, yeah, in the movie when they bring me back, I have flippers. And everybody's like, what? What are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, I have flippers. They gave me, I don't know why, they gave me flippers, but like at one point I went off set and I had to use the bathroom and I was trying to open the knob, the bathroom door, and I had a really hard time because I had to leave the flippers on between shots. Everybody's like, that's weird. I don't get why that's happening. And then later on, he's like, no, nah, I was lying. I <laughs> was lying. Uh, out, out of his cord. I love it. It's great. Uh, other commercials, I hated the 2B1 just because it gave me nearly a heart attack. I don't know if you saw that one, Pete. Yeah, there was a bunch of commercials where everybody was just kind of looking at each other like, what just happened? Oh, no, but the 2B1 where it switched channels for you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, that I was like, what, what is happening right now? Did somebody hook into my Apple TV? What is going on? Didn't engender me to 2B at all, to be honest, so I don't know if that worked. Uh, the J-Lo, Ben Affleck, Duncan one. Oh, yeah, that was hysterical. That was a good time. Good yeah. for them. What a night. Always ask for a glazed. Absolutely. Love it. Uh, otherwise, not very memorable in terms of the commercials. Oh, we should probably also mention the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer dropped. Yeah. Great. Looks good. I'm, I'll, I'll watch that. I'm very excited for that. I'm really hoping uh, we get some kind of closure with their relationship because, um, you know, it was, it was really getting to a magical place and then, uh, you know, things happen. So. I will say it was a weird bit of whiplash online seeing James Gunn tweet out the Flash trailer being like, can't wait for you all to see this. One of the greatest superhero movies ever made. And like five minutes later, he was like, check out the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. I'm so proud of this movie. And I mean, I know he can do both. But the fact that he was like, check out this DC movie and then check out this Marvel movie. Ooh, a little, I did a little something that well, there needs to be a day in between because of I think the... so. Really? I feel like hmm. he's under the gun. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, we got a couple more questions here. We should Plugging get through. a non-existent podcast. Hold I love on, it. hold on. Don't spoil it. Okay, the we got uh, one from Stray Bullet. This is a long one here. Stray Bullies. I remember an episode of Growing Pains where Mike Seaver's favorite musician turned out to be a total dick. It mm -hmm. really turned Mike off of the rock star. Later, Dr. Seaver asked him, if he still liked the music regardless of the musician being a total dick. Of course, Mike said yes, and Dr. Seaver taught us all a lesson in separating the art from the artist. Is this what we need to do with Ezra Miller and Kirk Cameron and maybe some other terrible actors and musicians? What do you think, Pete? This is obviously I mean, a perennial it, question. Yeah, what is happening right now? I mean, th this is something that, you know, unfortunately we, uh, we struggle with a lot of times, you know, where it's like, when it comes to music and, and, and stuff like that. So I don't know, man, you know, it, it's a case by case basis. And there's a lot that goes into this stuff and you'd like to be able to separate it. You know, you'd like to be able to be like, no, that was separate, but sometimes it's a little murkier than not. And I, I do think there are times where 
um, you know, you can say that and it, you know, but it really, I don't know, man, it's, it's hard. And I don't want to tell somebody what's okay in their world and what's not, but, um, yeah, I mean, some of those people really hurt others and it's hard to kind of celebrate the things that they've done but i mean it it's just one of those things with more information kind of comes harder stuff mm-hmm. where it's like where before nobody knew if bill shakespeare was cool or not you know what i mean he we just know his work so we just know he did, he shreds a sweet board right that's right yeah and so it's just one of those things where uh we didn't know uh, a lot about you know but now we do so you know uh, and that's good. You can choose, you know, to kind of have something that is entangled and all that because there are so many options out there. Uh, but unfortunately, there's baggage with some people. So it's. it's well, and I to... also think another factor, I think you're absolutely right on all of that stuff. But I think another factor is this is a weird way to phrase it, but are you spending future money on this thing? And what I mean by that, like to use the very specific example of J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling total garbage person i think we all know that that's very clear right now i'm not necessarily going out and taking all my harry potter books that i got in other countries and burning them or anything like that maybe i will reread those books at some point though certainly that experience is tainted for me but i'm definitely not going and buying hogwarts legacy because i'm not going to pay for something that is going to put money in her pockets conversely And if somebody tells me I'm wrong about this, please let me know and I will change this. But uh, in case people don't know, Justin Roiland, one of the co-creators of Rick and Morty, uh, he abused a couple of people, was accused of sexual harassment at work, seems like had DMs some underage girls. Absolutely awful stuff. I I really like Rick and Morty. I really enjoy Rick and Morty. So that was uh, tough to hear. But subsequently, the things that have come out about it have painted a picture that basically he hasn't really been involved in the show other than doing the voices since season two. And even that, he hasn't taken direction. He hasn't been in the writer room. He hasn't been in the office. Nobody knows who he is. They hasn't met people. It's basically been Dan Harmon, who, mind you, has his own problems, but running the room and that's it. So it's been a totally separate show for him. Additionally, Adult Swim, Hulu, 20th Century Fox, and uh, other companies that were working with him, Squanch Games, all completely cut financial ties with him. So last night, for no particular reason, I just had like an hour free. I realized I hadn't watched the last two episodes of Rick and Morty. And at the beginning, I like did a mental check of like, do I feel bad about this? And certainly hearing his voice made me feel a little bad. But knowing that he's getting no money off of me watching this thing, and it is a show that otherwise I enjoy, made by a lot of other people that I enjoy, and that they are getting rid of him for the next season, on a personal gut check level, I felt okay with it going forward. You know, enough that I was able to enjoy some of the stuff about the episodes. To get back to your point, will other people feel differently? Absolutely. But like you were saying, it's a case-by-case basis, but it's also a personal basis. But I also think it comes down to like, who is this hurting? You know, J.K. Rowling supporting her financially. Yes, that is directly going to support her anti-trans rhetoric, and it is actively hurting people. Watching Rick and Morty, which has been financially, uh, they've cut ties with him, supporting Rick and Morty isn't going to support him, so hopefully it's not hurting anybody. So those are those are another th- bit of factors that I think you need to put into it. 
There you go. Uh, good question. Thank you, Straight Bullet. Uh, we have here's an easier one from Stanley <laughs> over on YouTube. Easy. Who are your favorite comic romantic relationships? Uh, well, it was, uh, you know, Peter Parker and MJ. Um, let's see. Who else? Oh, uh, Midnighter, Midnighter and Apollo for sure. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Romantic relationships. Rogan Gambit is great. Yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Uh, Batgirl and Nightwing. I'm just laughing at stray bullets saying Peter Parker and Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. Hilarious. I do like, I mean, talking about Spider-Man stuff, Miles and Gwen... They haven't really done it too much in the comics, but that's a that's a great ship from the movies, and I feel like they should do that in the comics a little bit more. Hmm. That'd be a good one. Black I mean, Man. if Justin was here, he would say, uh, you know, Catwoman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and Batman. Park. Do you not agree with that? Well, yeah. I mean, I was thinking. I'm sorry. I was thinking back, uh, Black Cat and Spider Man. Uh, hmm. to combat what i was saying they're different characters they're both cat themed but yes. they're yeah. from different companies Pete. yeah yeah uh ooh, harls and ivy oh yeah says, especially in one. the animated uh series yes. yeah. did you watch the valentine special pete yeah yeah it's great great did you lose your mind at brett goldstein yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's blowing up man you she's deserve everywhere. somebody that feels like you're being fucked by lightning great line Great stuff. <laughs> all right. Stuff. Um, ooh, we uh, we have a question, I think, all in the game. This will wrap up here. I've asked this a couple of times, and I keep missing it. Um, so you on board with Feige saying they'll slow down the release of Disney Plus shows. What do you think about that, Pete? What uh, slow? What Peter? People are complaining that Disney Plus shows are no, putting no, no, out no. too like much content. Were an hour, they're going to slow them down by like fifty percent, and now they're going to be about an hour and a half long. But everybody's going to be don't, talking. Don't stop. No, Sorry for say... the people listening that endure <laughs> that. I think that's fine. I think there was too much Marvel last year, and people got burnt out, particularly casual fans. I got burnt out on it. I was like, this is a lot of Marvel. I like <laughs> this stuff. Please stop feeding me candy. That would be uh, great. No, I... Yes, please, candy. There's no need to <laughs> slow down uh, the candy machine. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, it's hard to complain about great uh, content. I love the Disney Plus shows, and... Uh, yeah, me too. But I'd rather they take more time and roll out better shows than give us a new Marvel show every single week. What was bad? What didn't you like? You didn't like Loki? You didn't have fun with Loki? <laughs> you, you mentioned the one show that I liked. <laughs> I didn't like She Hulk. I had problems. That's you. With That's Blue your Knight. personal stuff. Yes, you asked me what I didn't like. Yeah, I that know. It was my personal stuff. I didn't like She Hulk. I had problems with Moon Knight. I had problems with Miss Marvel. Uh, so you're wrong on all three fr fronts there. So. Okay, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, not great. How dare you? Nope, not great. How dare you? I liked elements of most you of You don't like shows. New Orleans, man? Come on. I do like New Orleans. And I like Bucky, but there you go. Yeah, you, I, see, this is the problem. It's people are saying like, oh, there's too much stuff. And now it's like, okay, we'll roll out slower. Don't listen to us. Do you do whatever you yeah, man. Less stuff. Go outside. Enjoy mm -hmm. nature. Smell a flower or something. 
There's no eat a, time. Eat a you should be binging something instead of being up. No. Here's what I say. Here's what I say to Marvel. He's off the soup. All right. <laughs> we're going to move soup. on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePay. All right. You sure this is a good idea? No. <laughs> I do not. All right. This is the part we'll give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form of a gift card online to Midtown Comics or, of course, Long John Silver for some reason. And uh, we just need a brave volunteer first-hand-up person in the comments or in the uh, YouTube uh, or in the Facebook. Yeah, if somebody wants to win $25, all you got to do is say me or raise your hand. Run a little bit of a lid delay with YouTube, but yeah, there you go. Maybe this is a good time while we're waiting to mention we're going to be on a, a different platform next oh, yeah, week. Is, yeah, it's a good. Yeah, time we're going to be uh, finally uh, given all the problems we've been having here with Crowdcast. We're going to be trying out a new platform called Streamyard next week. Um, the good news is you can still watch on Crowdcast. You can still watch on YouTube. You can still watch on Facebook. So we'll still have all those streams going, but. The whole show should hopefully be a lot smoother, uh, and trivia should be a lot smoother as well. But I guess we'll see what happens. So, yeah, I don't know about that. Take it yes, easy. With nothing that. will change for any listeners. Nothing will change for any viewers. It'll be all the same. Hopefully, though, fingers crossed, it'll just be a better show. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, nobody's raising their, raising their hands. So, oh, we got a hand up from Ben the Border Collie. Yeah, ben, ben the Border Collie. I'll bring you in, but please put on some headphones. Otherwise, there's going to be a horrible, horrible echo that I'm going to invite you in right now. So. Do it quick. There you go. This is exciting. Yes, it is exciting. Uh, yeah, just to re-emphasize, it's just going to be a little different. We'll probably ask for some volunteer for trivia. Oh, he doesn't have headphones nearby. Oh, no. Straight right. bully's like, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> no, it's terrible. it's terrible. Yeah, the echo is really All bad. All right, we're just going to do it in the comments. That's fine. Uh, yeah. So take it away. Pete, do it in the comments. Ben, answer in the comments. All right. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Burke Bacharach, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. What DC comic is going from a limited series to ongoing? Very excited about this. This is a comic that we have uh, reviewed and loved very much. Is it A... Poison Ivy. B, uh, Creepy Dude is in the background, but you see them everywhere. Or is it C, Clint Howard? He says Poison Ivy in the comments. So there you correct. go. All right. Yeah, that is correct. I'm very excited about Poison Ivy getting an ongoing series. It's been not only uh, super tight bananas art-wise, but mm -hmm. uh, a great, great story to boot. It's so. been super tight. It's been writing. Banana yeah. writing. Bananas. Bananas writing for sure. Yeah. Question number two. Scott Snyder has a line of new titles at IDW and it is called Blank. Is it A, Dark Spaces, B, You're Not the Father, or C, Jerry Springer? I I'm going to say uh, You're Not the Father. Is that uh, it? No, that is, that is not correct. Uh, it's Dark Spaces. The Dark Spaces is the Ooh, name he says of the A correct. seems correct. There you yeah, go. Yeah, there we go. 
uh, is the name of his imprint on IDW that's going to be launching a bunch of new titles. It already launched, man. All right, well, yeah, it's already out there, so get off my nuts about it. All right, here we go. (laughs) Question number three. For the 30-year anniversary of Maximum Carnage, who is Carnage facing for the first time? Is it A, Miles Morales, B, Honeysuckle Rose, or C, Willie Nelson? Ooh, man, this is a a really tough one because I have always wanted to see Carnage go up against Willie Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Uh, He says Honeysuckle Miles. Yeah, he's correct. Honey, uh, Miles Morales is correct. So that should be a fun uh, showdown in the Honeysuckle Rose. It's a fun uh, Willie Nelson reference. Hey, there you go. Congratulations, Ben the Border Collie. You got a $25 gift card to either Midtown Comics or Long John Silvers. Just shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com and we'll get that off to you. Pete, what was your secret movie? Yeah, and of course, uh, Kevin got it, uh, which was impressive off of, uh, he got it off of uh, Clint Howard, so he got it early on. I'm talking about the 1999 hit comedy, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, there we go. Now, as we all know, new comic book day is tomorrow, unless you're DC, in which it's today. But what are you looking forward to, Pete? What are you? What do you want to check out in the old comic book shop? I tell you, there's a lot of great comics coming out tomorrow. I'm looking forward to Art Brute number three and House of Slaughter number twelve. Great choices. I am going to throw out there Shirtless Bear Fighter number oh, seven, which yes. is the last issue of that title. Shirtless Bear Fighter two number seven. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, volume two. Yes, there you issue go. Issue number seven. Very, very funny has maintained its premise so well i've been constantly shocked very curious to see how it all wraps up and speaking of not exactly wrapping things up but very curious to check out fantastic four number four from marvel as well mm-hmm. tomorrow four, since four. we're gonna finally gonna get a reveal of what went on and why the fantastic four left new york city all of those titles new are york city our, new york new york city we're going to find out. Uh, all of those titles are going to be in our stack podcast that rolls out Wednesday 9 a.m. Both the comic book club feed and its own dedicated stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Rich Davis for coming yeah. on. Be sure to check out Prometheus and Change that comes out June from Red 5, which you can pre-order at your comic book shop right now. Also, CC Affinity, check out Mythfall, launching yeah. on Kickstarter very soon. Very fun book as well. Next week on the show, Justin Sierdulu is going to be here to talk about the ballad of Gia and Frankie, and Eric Radvin is going to be here to talk about Lady Dark. Hopefully with the new platform, it doesn't take everything down, but uh, <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. It's, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> and hopefully uh, Justin will be back for Disneyland. Hopefully, I don't know. Survive. If I was at Disneyland, I certainly would Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club to support this show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, happy birthday, Stray Bullet. Ease off the soup and good night. <laughs> Take care of yourself out there. Thanks for listening. Give me Gaywood, ladies and gentlemen.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.